Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. You know, as I was praying for tonight, I felt the roar coming out of the house. I felt in prayer that God was digging deep inside of us, pulling things out, not putting a Band-Aid on things, not, not putting alcohol and peroxide on things, but actually digging into the root of things, pulling it up. Because let me tell you, what's underneath the root of every issue, every generational stronghold, and everything that has ever capped you, limited you, or held you back is a roar that is yet to come, is a victory shout. I'm talking about a shout that shakes the walls, that breaks the chains, that changes things to where you're never the same again. Oh, I think there's some people in this house tonight that are fasting and praying. Hallelujah. Oh, you guys are, are the best. <laughs> well, I'm Pastor Marie, and I co-pastor along my, alongside my husband, Pastor Josiah. Let's give it up for Pastor Josiah. <laughs> Honey, thank you so much for this, I don't like to say opportunity, because opportunity, I feel, gives me praise, but responsibility gives God praise to use me as a messenger and as a vessel. Thank you for trusting me with this responsibility. And I am so blessed and so honored. Let's re be reminded that I am a woman of authority, but under authority. And I'm under that man's authority and his discipleship and his leadership. And I honor you. Love you. Thank you. Well, we're ready for these revival nights, and I want to read to you this verse. Go with me to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I'll begin with verse 21, and I'll be reading through 25 from the NIV. And I want to talk to you tonight about a short conversation that Jesus had with one of his disciples by the name of Peter. And how he had to confront, Jesus had to confront Peter because Peter had a toxic mindset about something, and Jesus wasn't gonna let it go. So once you have your Bibles, if you could remain standing with me as we do custom in this house and reading of God's word. From that time on, Jesus began to explain, excuse me, let me change this over. Let me write, start that again. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside, that was probably the only wisest thing Peter did, and began to rebuke him. Now before you think about Peter being, you know, audacious for doing that, how many times do we feel that we can take Jesus aside and rebuke him for things that he does or things that he says or jurisdictions and decisions that he has for us? We can learn a lot from Peter. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, 
Get behind me, Satan. Those are the four words that I don't think any believer ever wants to hear. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple. I said, whoever wants to be my disciple. I said, whoever wants to be my disciple. You see, he was talking to one person, but it's been recorded and he's talking to each and every one of us. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. How many know in Christ there is always a greater thing on the other side of our obedience? In Christ, there is always purpose in our pain. But keep in mind how you view your purpose will be how you view your pain. And I want to minister to you a message I've entitled The Perspective of Loss the perspective of loss. And the way we're gonna come into alignment is to have the proper perspective of loss. What if I told you your loss was really a gain? What if I told you that the very thing that you feel that is weighing you down is the very thing that can lift you up? What if I told you that where you're, what you're facing right now can completely be turned around like that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that tonight you're going to use me to deliver your words, your truth, your heart. And I pray that every heart be opened, every ear be open, every eye be open, spiritually as well. For those watching online, speak to us tonight, Lord. Minister to us tonight. Begin to turn things upside down for your glory. We know, God, that with you, all things are possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise tonight. Go ahead and take your seats. Well, you know, I have kind of this funny story to share, and I have prepared a full message, several pages here. But what I really feel pressing on my heart is to just tell you how this message was birthed. And this message has been something that has been brewing in me for several years and just something, th these are my conversations with God. And I'm like, you know, I've overcome some things. I mean, I've overcome some things. And in overcoming some things, I've learned some things. And after I've learned some things, I've grown from those things. And after I've grown from those things, I've been stronger because of those things. And I want to share with you tonight at a place where I had to find my perspective of loss. Because sometimes we can adopt old theology, we can adopt uh, generational theology of what loss is. Sometimes we can, we can partake in what the world says loss is. But in my prayer time and experiencing it, I was fighting for the perspective 
of what loss is to heaven. What does it mean? What is it? Because I've experienced some loss. I've experienced some pain. I felt like I lost some battles. There's moments where I said I lost. There's moments when I felt alone. There's moments when I felt like I'm not going to make it. There's moments where I felt, oh, my gosh, what do I do now? Where you look in the mirror and you feel like you're all you got left. And you're barely hanging on by a thread. I don't know. Am I talking to anybody tonight? When you feel you've lost something. Because sometimes we could get so attached to things that when we lose something, we feel like we lost ourselves. So this message was birthed because this is, this, this is my blood, sweat, and tear prayer right here. What you're going to hear tonight is what I have personally sought the Lord after, prayed for, what my husband has so graciously prayed me out of and spoken into my life. And I've come out victorious in Jesus' name. I no longer have a lost mentality. I have a gain mentality. But I'm going to tell you how I gain that. Amen. You want to hear it tonight? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, uh, let me see. With a lost mindset, you'll never be satisfied and you'll never feel the winds when they come. Let me say that again. With a lost mindset, you'll never be satisfied and you'll never feel the winds when they come. Now, in Matthew 16, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. And they were in Caesarea Philippi. Him and Jesus and his disciples, he took them to Caesarea Philippi. And this is after Jesus had done some miracles already and done some things. He's like, let's go to Caesarea Philippi. And it was populated with more Gentiles than Jews, which scholars believed allowed Jesus more intimate time with his disciples. It was avoiding all the crowds. Not very many people were aware that that was Jesus and the, uh, acknowledging him as the Messiah and things like that. He wanted to spend time with his disciples which led to this passage that we just read. And the disciples were on a roll with Jesus. You see, just before this passage in Scripture, the disciples were panicking because they had no bread. Jesus was like, we need bread. They didn't realize that Jesus was talking in metaphorical terms. We're like, we don't have no bread. Do you have bread? I don't have bread. Peter and James are talking, I don't have bread. Do you have bread? I don't have bread. What's going on? And then they started panicking. We don't have any bread. And Jesus was like, oh, you guys, you guys. I'm not talking about actual bread. And besides, even if I was, I just... Fed 5,000, and then I just fed 4,000, and you're worried that 12 of us don't have bread. Oh, the frustration of Jesus, your lack of faith. You're always in the lost mentality. You always think negative. You are standing with the Almighty. You are standing with the one who has more than enough. You are standing with the miracle maker. You are standing with the one that turned 12 to 20, that turned 20 to 100, that turned 100 to 104. You're standing with him right now and you're worried that we don't have bread. Oh, That was Jesus in my description because that's how I feel about my kids when they, they uh, I can only relate it to that, you know, and it's never enough. Hey, they got more juice than I did. You got enough. Look at them holding the whole thing of apple juice. I have more than enough for you. Stop your complaining. Just drink what you have. You know, whatever. It's never enough. <laughs> so after all that, they still have this lack mentality. And Jesus tells Peter and tells his disciples that I'm going to be killed and then I'm going to be resurrected. But all Peter could hear, all he could think about 
was that Jesus was going to die, that he was going to lose Christ by his side, that he was going to lose him in the flesh. And he got angry. He's like, no. And Jesus like, did you not just hear that I'm going to resurrect in three days? You're so concerned about where you're losing, you didn't even hear me say that I'm going to come back. And Jesus is confronting this lack mentality in Peter, the selfishness, the emotion over the truth, the jumping to conclusions, the lack of faith. And Peter is saying, no, Lord, you cannot go to the cross. And Jesus got frustrated. Jesus even called him Satan. I haven't called my kids Satan. I was trying to think if I have. <laughs> Jesus like, if you really think you're losing something, then you don't get it. You really don't get it. And instead, all Peter could see is that he was no longer to have Jesus in the flesh anymore. But if we're always looking at what we are losing, we will never see what we are gaining, Freedom House. We will never see the win. We will never see the gain if we always look at what we're losing. I lost him. I lost her. I lost my job. I lost this. I lost that. But you don't see what's on the horizon because of it. The Word of God says that the steps of the righteous are ordered, which means he is in control. Don't be so focused on the death that you don't see the resurrection. And like I said, I personally have battled with loss and a loss mentality and with the losses I've experienced in my life. And I had to fight for a truth mindset. Freedom House, you need to fight for a truth mindset. You need to set your mind on truth. You need to set your mind on the word of God, the infallible word of God that never fails. And I want to share with you how I learned to carry my cross, not just my loss, and find the win. First point, understand I must prepare myself for my cross. I must prepare myself for my cross. Matthew 16, 21 says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see, Jesus knew there was a cross in his near future, but he also knew that it was making room for something more. But doesn't it hurt? Doesn't it hurt when you're in it? It's like I could preach faith and we can stand and we could say yes, but when you're in it, when you're in the middle of contending, when you're in the middle of fighting, when you're in the middle of saying, okay, batter up, it's time. The trial has come and I'm right in the middle of it. Sometimes you feel like you're swinging in the dark. And in Matthew 16, as we just read, Jesus knows the cross is coming. But in Matthew 26, 10 chapters later, Jesus had to ready himself in prayer because the day of the cross had come. Matthew 26, 36 through 39, I want to read it. It said, then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Everybody say Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul 
which is my mind, will, and emotions. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. This is talking about Jesus. And he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Prayer so intense that he sweat with blood. And there he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying in his humanity, asking God if there is another way. And sometimes we could be right there saying, God, I love you, but is there another way? Because trials are hard. And we will find ourselves as Jesus did. But what was Jesus doing in the garden the night before? You want to know what Jesus was doing? He wasn't just sweating blood. He wasn't just overwhelmed. He wasn't just sweating. He was sorting it out. He was preparing himself for the cost. Gethsemane is not just a place to run when in trouble. It is also a place for preparation for what's to come. To get the strength and heaven perspective to carry the cross and to carry it well. Some of you are getting this right now. Gethsemane. Take time in your Gethsemane. It was Jesus' place of anguish prayers. Take time in your Gethsemane to prepare you for your Calvary. Calvary was also known as Golgotha. And it was a place just outside of Jerusalem's walls where the crucifixion was to take place. Jesus was preparing in Gethsemane for Calvary. And what I realized was I had to get through my Gethsemane to get through my Calvary. The garden is what the White House would call the situation room. We were watching a documentary. It's the situation room where you talk openly in a safe place about what's really going on, how you really feel, what the real facts are. The purpose of your Gethsemane is to gain perspective, not to lose yourself. It's where you find yourself, in God. Jesus was weary in his Gethsemane. He was weary, overwhelmed, sweating blood. But what was he fighting for? Did he just lay down and give up? No. He said, not my will, but your will, which means give me strength. Give me and remind me of the purpose in this pain I am about to face. Your Gethsemane is an important place. It's where you talk to God, talk to yourself, and get in alignment. Get me in alignment. Jesus could not go to the cross until he got in his Gethsemane. Jesus could not carry the cross well until he got his mind aligned. You would think he'd be doing push-ups, he'd be doing exercise, he'd be drinking Gatorade and Powerade and Red Bull and, okay, man, I'm going to go through this, I'm going to do this, woo, let's go, come on, come on, where's my 12 disciples, come on, let's put up. No, he was preparing his heart and his mind 
and say, that's what I need to get aligned. That's what I need to be right right now. Some of you are so consumed with how you look, you forget about what needs to happen on the inside of you. You forget that this is what needs care. This is what needs the voice of God. This is what needs the nutrients. This is what needs truth. Stop playing around and get to your Gethsemane and get in alignment with God. You're out there sitting and messing around, but God is saying, I'm waiting for you in your Gethsemane because the time has come where you're to rise up and speak the word of God with authority, but you're not going to have authority if your mind isn't aligned. Come on, give the Lord praise in this house right now. So what do you do? What did Jesus do when he was in his Gethsemane? You know what he did? He invited trusted people in. Sometimes you can't get through things alone. What makes us think that we're strong enough to do this alone? What makes us think that if Jesus needed his disciples to pray with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, if he needed them and took them to his inner circle, how much more do we need people in our inner circle? Hello, I'm talking about, praise God, Freedom House has connect groups. You need to get yourself in a connect group so that you can do life in community with people because there's other connect groups in bars and there's other connect groups in garages that aren't doing you any service, that aren't speaking any life to you. But you need to get into a connect group that is speaking life, that has the word of God, where you feel refreshed after you leave, not guilty after you leave, where you can remind, remember what you did last night instead of hoping that you didn't cheat on your spouse. Oh man, I'm so glad. I know where I was last night. I was getting built up. I was getting fed. I was getting to my next level. I was taking off the weight and the excess and the sin. And I was stepping into my destiny. And I was looking at my purpose right in the face because I hadn't seen it in a while. Stop inviting Facebook and Instagram and all that other social media into your Gethsemane. They don't know what to do in there. Gethsemane is not a circus. Gethsemane is not a playground. Gethsemane is not a retreat. Gethsemane is not time off. Gethsemane is where you get to work. Gethsemane is where you get your mind together. Gethsemane is where you ask God the right questions at the right moment. Gethsemane is where everything else is quiet around and you get to hear the voice of God speak to you. Hallelujah. Ask your place, ask yourself, where is your place of sorrow? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? Where is your place of strength? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? That's your Gethsemane. Loss will want to isolate you and make you feel alone. You need others into your space that you trust, that can speak into your life. Get your counselor in there. Christian counselors, they're great. Get your best friend in the house of God in there. Get your mentor in there. Get your connect group friends in there. Who do you surround yourself with? Tell me your friends, I'll tell you your future. And what do you need to push through to carry your cross? Is it forgiving someone? 
Is it an unforeseen death in the family that you can't get over, that you need God's help to get over? Is it a failed relationship? If you're so consumed with your loss, you won't be able to pick up your cross. Loss, I'll say it again. Amen. My husband says, say it again. I'll say it again. <laughs> yes, sir. If you're so consumed with your loss, you won't be able to pick up your cross. Loss is pain. But it's all about me. Cross. My cross is my purpose. And it's all about him. My cross represents my surrender. It's serving even though. It's giving even when. It's loving anyway. It's trusting leadership. You see, one thing about Pastor and I is that we have pre-decided that we are fully surrendered. And you don't wake up saying, I'm fully surrendered, I'm fully surrendered, with your alarm clock, yay. No. <laughs> it's heavy. And we carry it. And we carry it together. Two is better than one. Thank you, Jesus. We encourage one another. Not too long ago, I was feeling weary. What did my husband do? He came and gave me a little pick-me-up on my cross. He said, come on, come on. You can do it. Get up. Come on. It's not that bad. We go forward. It's all good. I'm covering you. God's got you. He hasn't forgotten you. Doesn't change what's over your life. Doesn't change your purpose. When the cross gets heavy, we push forward saying, I was offended, but I'm going to love anyway. I was hurt, but I'm still going to trust God. I may be tired and weary, but I'm still about my father's business. And we need more people in the house of God that acknowledge their loss, but also don't acknowledge their cross to the point to where they forget about the cross. I still have a responsibility. Just because someone else died in my life doesn't mean that I died too. Just because someone left me doesn't mean that I left myself. Just because this person abandoned me doesn't mean that God abandoned me. I am about my father's business. I am about the will of God. And when the enemy tries to throw my way to discourage me, I can put it back in his face and say, oh, tough job. You met somebody that's not going to give up. You met somebody that refused to listen to you. You met somebody that's willing to play hardball. I may not be able to play it on the field, oh, but I can play it in the spirit. And I can call down angels right now. And I have the authority of Jesus Christ in me to cast you out. Some of you got to get that little thing inside of you that tilts up the devil in the face and says, don't mess with me. I know how to get you down. You've gotten me down one too many times, but you forgot I got a right hook called pain. I got a right hook called purpose. 
I got a right hook that says I'm a winner. I got a right hook that says I'm already victorious. I got a right hook that says Jesus is my daddy. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, 14 says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Jesus is all about the resurrection. The power of the resurrection that lives in you and I. You know, one of the fruit of the Spirit, nobody likes to talk about it, long-suffering. I know. It's the last one on the list, too. It's like love, joy, peace, patience. Yep, I got love, I got joy, I got peace. Long-suffering. <laughs> but consider it all joy, because you're not suffering alone. And the suffering isn't the same kind of suffering it would be without God. We are promised the greater glory. But see, the problem is <clears throat> what will break us is when we try, and this is what I, where I found myself. Hey, get some water. <clears throat> where we will find ourselves is, can I get a drink of water? Come on, everybody just get, clap their hands, give praise to the Lord. While I take I didn't lose my train of thought. Wow. Okay, <clears throat> so what happens is sometimes we will find ourselves trying to carry our loss while simultaneously trying to carry our cross. And let me tell you, I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've witnessed it, it will break you. Because you're trying to carry something that you don't want to confess, that you don't want to release. And you're carrying this weight. What does Hebrews say? Cast off the weights that so easily beset us. The sin, the weights, the pain, the loss, the mentality, everything. You, you, you carry it on your own. And then you're saying, yes, okay, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to serve and I'm going to love and I'm going to do that. But you don't, you don't have your mind aligned. So you're trying to sort yourself out and trying to carry your cross. And let me tell you, you could get those weights confused. There's the weight of loss, and then there's the weight of the cross. And when you're in the middle of darkness, you can't tell the difference. So you blame it on ministry. You blame it on leadership. Oh, they just want too much. It's just too much. It's just too early. It's just too... But see, well, you don't realize that if you had your mind aligned in Gethsemane, follow me now, you can pick up the cross and have the right mindset and say, I got it. I know God has greater things. I'm going to carry it. I'll be there. I can do it. Before you know it, you'll be volunteering for extra time serving in the house of God because you know that God always returns back. You know that God always gives you the double portion back. You know that God never goes back on his word. Point number two, understand in Christ the gain is greater than the loss. The gain is greater 
than the lost. Matthew 16, 24 says, then Jesus says to, to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, deny in the Greek is, I sounded it out here, apatne amahi, apatne amahi, apatne amahi, say that five times, apatne amahi, apatne amahi, meaning to disown. Denying yourself is disowning, surrendering yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. Sounds like somebody considered the cost of his cross. So you must honor God with your body. Now, I don't want, I didn't want to deny myself. It was easier to stay in my loss because it felt right even when it was harder. I want to stay in my loss. I want to carry that right now. I want to feel it. And for a period of time, you need to because you need that time to sort it out. You need, you know, morning may be in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And you need to mourn certain things. Like, yes, man, that was hard. That person left this earth too soon. That, you know, I'm sad that that happened. I, I experienced that. I've had three miscarriages. The first one was due on my son's birthday. The second one was due on my birthday. And the third one was due on Christmas. And I know how it feels to look in an empty seat during the holidays and picture that your child is supposed to be sitting right there. I know what that feels like to want to gloat and to want to be in the middle of it and to be upset. And you need to allow yourself those moments. You need to allow yourselves moments to cry. That's why God created tears. So you can use them. I'm not just talking to the men here. I'm talking to some hard women. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have moments of vulnerability because God is trustworthy. And I was mad and I was upset and I allowed, and you know, it's harder even when you have miscarriages and everybody forgets about it. It's when everybody has moved on, even those closest to you because they handle it differently and that's okay. It's when a year passes by and you realize, oh, I had one big cry when my baby was supposed to be one year old and I gave it all to God and I got healed that day. But had I not allowed myself to cry, had I not allowed myself to pour my heart out to the Lord, I don't know if I could stand here before you and say that I got through it well. You gotta allow yourself those moments. You gotta be able to work it out in your mind. Okay, that happened. It hurt. I acknowledge it. And I'm not going to forget about it. See, we think sometimes that we have to forget about it. But then, that wouldn't be giving it any purpose, would it? Maybe I don't want to forget about it. Because in my darkest moments have been my best moments with Jesus. And as odd as it's to even say this, but there's moments when I miss those times with the Lord. Because I was right there with him, closer than a brother. Jesus was my comfort. And sometimes you need to feel all those feels. Because the best way to get through it is when you fall in the arms of Jesus about it. 
only he can satisfy and only he can comfort and only he can cover. And I don't want to forget about it because my loss, remember there's no loss in God. My loss has now become my cross and my cross has become my purpose. And with that never happened, and if I never experienced that, I would have never grown from that. I would have never gotten that heavenly perspective. I wouldn't have ever had those intimate conversations with God. So thank you, Lord. I won. I won. I win. And you win too. Don't think that you have to put under, under the rug, oh, that happened. Oh, which happens a lot in families and abuses and things, and it's terrible. It really is. But let me tell you how God can turn things around, that it doesn't always have to be a loss. Don't always think that you got the short end of the stick, that you didn't get the life that you always thought you should have had. God has given you life and life abundantly, but it is your responsibility to chase after the abundance of Jesus Christ. It is your responsibility to say that is not a loss. That has now become my gain. It has now become my testimony. It has now become what fuels me forward. And I'm going to use that. And not many people know this, but when we were getting this building and during that two-year process, I had two, mis two of those miscarriages during that time. And it was tough. We were trying to get in our building, and we were trying to have a baby, and I just felt like I was losing my swing. And I was... <sighs> I was getting tired and I was like are we gonna get in that building honey how's it going is God gonna come through we had another miscarriage is God gonna come through I'm hurting right now I feel tired right now I feel weary right now but you see what the devil didn't realize is when he pushed me into the dark place he pushed me into my Gethsemane. Where I didn't lose nothing. I didn't lose nothing. I gained a heavenly perspective. I gained the word of God. I gained a double portion. I gained multiplication and acceleration. I gained supernatural increase. I gained the mind of Christ. I gained wisdom with the Holy Ghost. I gained the love of Jesus that cast out all fear and all doubt. I gained standing on my two feet in front of you today. I gained more anointing in my life. I gained experience in the ring with the enemy. And I've come out and said I've won. And because I've won, you can do it too. Come on, give the Lord praise like you want something. Give the Lord praise like you're just about to win something. Give the Lord praise like you're at the end. Oh, but you haven't given up. Give the Lord praise like God is about to turn something around in your life like you've never witnessed or seen before. Come on, give the Lord some praise. You need to stand to your feet. Some of you are tired. Some of you are weary. Some of you are going through it right now. But let me tell you, don't give up in the ring don't give up in the swing don't give up don't give up come on give a praise one more time
as you're standing, I want to read these scriptures. You see, loss makes you want to stay, but the cross makes you want to go. Let me say that again, because I don't think you heard me very well. Loss makes you want to stay, but the cross makes you want to go, and we're called to go. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you need to run to the altars right now as I read these. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Don't give up. Let it finish so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy again. Come on. Oh, I wrote it again. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. My third point was understanding Christ. I need to have a winning perspective. You're up here right now because you need a winning perspective. You haven't lost anything. Because even if you can count some lost battles here on earth, you are still promised heaven, perfection, and glory. I can't change my past, but I can change my perspective. I said, I can't change my past, but I can change my perspective. And we need to get a godly perspective on loss. We need to get a godly perspective on what he says in our lives. No more of this being tossed by the wind and ending up in places you don't even want to be at. It's time to pick up that cross. Because without Christ, there is no purpose, only pain. God's here right now. Hallelujah. You see, as I was praying in my Gethsemane for God to make me a mother, as I was warring in the spirit, and I was feeble in the flesh, as I was in that dark place, and pushing, pushing, pressing, pressing, saying, God, make me a mom. God, make me a mom. I didn't realize that I was praying for all of you. I didn't realize that God was going to make me a spiritual mother to so many. I didn't realize that the pressing was required to appreciate the blessing. Thanks for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by this message. Show your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.